a starter. Um, and if, uh, if you're just joining us now on the audio version of this podcast, this is the Will's World Series. Uh, guys, I'm uh, Will Marsh, your host, and I'm here with Luke Smith and Aaron Alexander. Uh, what's up, y'all? So we are uh, doing this episode today from Wilson's Mills, and um, this is actually a special episode. Uh, we have uh, people in different locations, but uh, Corey Claggett is going to be joining us. Corey is a war hero from the uh, Iraq War, war. Uh, and uh, spent at least one tour over there and has a really incredible story to tell. Um, so we're waiting for him to get on the line right now, um, which is what we're doing, and... Uh, let me, uh, let me see if I can get him for us. All right. I just texted him again. He should be there any minute. But uh, in the meantime, while we wait on him, um, I was mentioning, I, I, I will kind of go into how we kind of came about through this. So. Uh, I, I mentioned he was a war hero, and how I actually got, got to know this guy, guy uh, back, back when, when I ran my insurance agency, when I lived in Guilford County, County in Greensboro, uh, I came home one day after work, and uh, on, on the evening news, on the national news, it was the headline that night on Fox News, now, I don't remember what time of year it was to be exact, I know it was warm outside, but... Um, but, but in, in the, the uh, uh, in, in, in the meantime, I, I saw this headline about this uh, person who had been uh, it was a war hero in Iraq, um, part of the Iron Triangle murders, which if you were a news buff in the early 2000s, you may have remembered that, um, who was just released from a wrongful imprisonment, pardon, in, in, in prison, and had this whole story. Um, and so I actually looked him up, and he was about 10 minutes away from where I lived, and so I sent him a Facebook message. And, and he, he, uh, he, he messaged me back, I mean, instantly. And so we, uh, we hit it off from there. Let me, before I go too much further, see if we can get him on the line again. And while we're doing that, I'm, I'm really excited for this one. You know, it's not every day that you get to talk to uh, or that, especially one who's gone through all the things that Corey has, you know, being in North Carolina, this is just, it's like getting to talk to a superhero low-key, you know? We're, we're looking forward to it. How about you, Luke? Yeah, yeah, honestly, honestly I, can't I can't wait. wait. I, think I think it's, it's going to be awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a, a pretty, pretty good story, story. and I'm just ready for it. Yeah. you guys. Yeah, thank y'all. I uh, What's new, been new this week with you guys while we're waiting on them? I'm sending them the link again. Um, it took them a moment when we were getting this set up. Uh, <clears throat> we got we got big news over on this side. You know, I, I just spent a week out in Nashville, Tennessee. That was amazing. You know, I love North Carolina, but... Our neighbors next door, they, they kind of got some stuff going on. No mask mandate across the state. It was wonderful being able to see people smile. So we're, we're all, I mean, across, we're all, we're all um, I hit Nashville, and then we spent a decent amount of time in Murfreesboro. Uh, you know, outside of doing this, I work with Blexit, and so we uh, got a content house out there. I uh, spent some time with Bryson Gray, uh, Danielle Ray, uh, Shekinah Ruth, you know, all, all, all the people, you know, coming up in the conservative movement right now. So it's been, it's been hot. We got some photo shoots done, did a little bit of music. It was, boy, it was a time. That's that sounds fun. How long are you gone for? We've been gone for a week, heading back out there soon, get some more work done. I saw you doing a photo shoot, man. When's the photo's going to drop? Um, I think the first photos dropped yesterday. 
Uh, we're going to have... Hey, uh, uh, hey, I hate to interrupt, uh, Aaron, but I just saw that Corey joined us. Are you there, Corey? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Awesome, man. We are glad to have you. Uh, we were, we were kind of talking while we were waiting on you to join the call about how you and I met, um, years ago after, uh, after you had headlined on Fox News and how I looked you up and saw that you were only about... 10, Ten minutes, minutes away from where I lived on Facebook, and how impressed I was that I shot you a message at like midnight. And you wrote like right back, and so you are uh, you are an on point man. Well, thank you very much. And I I actually uh, forgot about like where we went, but uh, you just now it refreshed my memory. We went to Olive Garden, I believe. We went, we went to, to the Olive Garden. Garden. You're, You're right. right. Yeah. So. Um, Corey, I uh, appreciate you getting on this. I don't want to steal your thunder, man, but um, you're, uh, you're here with all of us. We have um, some people that are with us watching this, and then um, I'm here with my two hosts, uh, Luke Smith and Aaron Alexander. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah. Yeah. So let me um, – I, I, kind of sort of introduced you as we were talking about you a moment ago um but i just kind of mentioned about how we met and how you had an incredible story i'm sure people watching this or listening to this may have googled your name by this point but if you would uh tell us a little bit about you and kind of how you became to be you and all this okay um well i was uh born and raised in charleston south carolina i'm from the town of monk's corner that's a little small town um you know i i i Lived there until I was about uh, 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 17, and um, you know I did the the whole high school graduation. I went to Job Corps. I learned welding, and you know I just didn't feel like that was for me. I felt like I had a different calling because everybody in my family, all the men, were military, Air Force, Navy, Army, uh, what have you. And so, you know, I I didn't really do anything for two years. I was a welder, and you know I wanted to do something that. Um, made a difference, something that was larger than myself. So I joined the military and infantry specifically because um, I also wanted to see combat. So I joined and my brother went in with me. He was my battle buddy in basic training and in airborne school. So that, that was pretty interesting. He slept below me. Um, I got a couple stories about that. But I joined October 11th. Uh, no, excuse me, October 13th, 2004. I got married October 11th, 2004, right alongside my brother as well. And then, um, so I was off to basic on the 13th and I graduated, I believe it was the 14th of February. And from there I went to airborne school, um, did a couple more schoolings and I went to my unit at the 101st airborne division at Fort Campbell. And that's where I met the, uh, infamous three, one, eight, seven, um, rockets That's, that's where I was at. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're we're still here. You've uh, you've got us all. Uh, I mean, I mean, listening, man. Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll keep going. Um, so I was with my unit for a couple of months. We got orders in August that we were deploying to Iraq. So I only had you know three or four months with my unit, which is very long to uh, train with them and earn trust and give trust. And so we deployed September sixteenth, uh, two thousand five. And we went to Kuwait for two weeks. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure you you probably know about Kuwait and you have to climatize and all that, just to get used to the, the environment over there. So we were in Kuwait for two weeks and uh, I went to Baghdad uh, where we provided FOB security for the 3rd Infantry Division. And all we did was stay in the towers and that's where I got my combat infantryman's badge because we took fire on one of the towers. And um, so it was pretty, it was okay, uh, you know, 
stuff didn't hit the fan until we went to Samara in December, like right before Christmas. And that's when, you know, we were patrolling IED Alley, it was a 12 mile stretch of road. And we were constantly one week, one platoon was doing it. The next week they were QRF, next week they were doing missions. And it just, the cycle kept re- rotating. So you didn't have any days off really. And we're working 12, 14 hour days in the sun. Then you come back and you got to do PT and all that stuff. So it was very draining and um, it was exciting. I'll, t- I'll tell you that much. Um, and so to get into the story, um, see my commander for 3187, uh, Charlie company uh, was, well, my brigade commander was Colonel Michael Steele who was in Black Hawk Down, his character was, and he was the actual bald guy in the movie that was the asshole. Um, that, that, and that, so... Yeah, and in the movie, he was Captain uh, Michael Steele, and he was he was the one that was always giving the guys flack when they were, uh, before they went on that mission, and when they called for a radio back, he denied it. So that, that's, that's uh, Captain Steele. He was a Ranger Regiment um, company commander. And so he was very uh, infamous within the military. And when I, everybody bragged on him, how he was so tough. And, you know, he had this event, like right before I got there, where he had everybody in the brigade with this big blow-up ball on a football field. And their, their job is to push it to the other end. Well, yeah, yeah. once the game was over, he, he had a combatives tournament where everybody just wrestled everybody. And people had arms broken, legs broken. He was choked out with a PT belt. Somebody climbed on his back and choked him out like a like a riding a bull. Uh, it was pretty funny. I was a specialist, but um, wow. no, he was he was a hard dude. Uh, his standards were very high, so he kept us well trained and well PT'd. Uh, but we got a, um, a notice that we were going on this really secretive mission. Uh, that was coming up and we had to go to Ramadi and we were staging there with the Iraqi army and Colonel Steele shows up late at night and he pulls everybody together and uh, he gets on top of a Humvee away from the Iraqi army. He tells us that we have this mission that we're going on that uh, expect some of your buddies not to make it expect maybe some of you aren't going to make it. We're going in guns blazing. We're going to have the squad machine gunners hang out the Blackhawks and uh, open fires. We're coming in because it's going to be hot. He's like, your rules of engagement for this mission is to kill all military age males. He's like, kill them before they kill you. Give them a hundred percent chance to die for their country. And um, so we're all hyped up. And, you know, I actually wrote down a will because I, you know, I thought this was going to be one of the most serious um, engagements I, I would have been in. So I, I wrote a Wait, little will hang out. On. You, you're saying that before you went on this mission that, caused all of this that we're about to hear about you were so scared that you even wrote a will out for yourself well i wouldn't say it was it was scared because i've been in some some dicey situations uh it was more i wanted to be prepared if something did happen i wanted i want my family like to to have the the insurance policy where it goes and what have you so i was just being prepared i wouldn't say scared um but anyway so the next morning uh, the next morning, um, we did uh, like dry fire exercises with the Blackhawks, getting in and out of them, um, and figuring out where we we're going to be and who's staging what. And um, so that morning, like five o'clock in the morning, we got in the Chinooks and we traveled to our destination where we met up with the Blackhawks. And uh, we got on got on there and we went. We did one mission prior, and that was we we had this big field. There was a little hut on it, and so we reconned by fire over the field. 
And when we got to the end of the field, there was a large canal and these three guys, no weapons, nothing in a boat running away. And all of a sudden they called in an Apache Apache comes in and dust them immediately. I mean, they were no threat whatsoever and they just dust them. And so when that happened, the LT come up to us and he's like, Hey, I need third squad with second squad providing overwatch. And uh, he's like, you got to hurry up right now. And so we boarded the Blackhawk and we fly for about five minutes and we circle around these four buildings and uh, we air assault in. As soon as we get off the bird, we start taking fire and we return fire. And as we're running up there, Wait, hang, uh, hang on, Corey. I know this is a crucial point in the story, but you talk about this <laughs> as it's like just another day at the office. Oh yeah. We just circled around in the black Hawks and air assaulted <laughs> in and, you know, return uh-huh. fire. It was no big deal. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's because I, I've told this, um, you know, I, I relived the worst day of my life every time I tell it, but it's getting easier to tell because I, I kind of um, co- compartmentalize and disassociate when I talk about it. Mm. Uh, so it's just matter of fact when I, when I start to talk about it. So, and I've done a lot of interviews, so it is, it's getting easier. Sure. Well, sorry, play it, play it, Jim. I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you, no, interrupt. If you have questions, comments, anything, interrupt, feel free. Um, but so, as soon as we button hook around the, the side of the building, we come up on a door and we kick it in. And it's immediately what we see is these three guys huddled behind these huddled down behind these two women, use them as shields. So we wouldn't shoot them. And, you know, we would have been legally justified to kill the women to get to our target. I mean, that's just, that's wrong. And like, but then that split second, you know, we were like, we ain't going to shoot the women. So we detained the three men. And when we pulled them out, um, by the way, the guy that was shooting at us, I was a fourth person in that house. He was a uh, mortally wounded, dragged out, you know, a pl- uh, CPR was applied first aid, but he just didn't make it. So when we pulled the three detainees out, we saw there was another building over a berm. And um, so we assaulted that. And this, this was actually on army times. It was on the website where it showed uh, our machine gunner laying fire right over top of the building. And my, my team uh, assault in this little area. And it shows this guy coming out holding a baby out in front of him so we wouldn't shoot him and so when we lower our weapons to shoot him like in the abdomen you know he'd lower the baby and he'd raise the baby every time we'd go back up to shoot him in the head and um because it following our rules of engagement uh but my squad leader's like hey take the baby and get him and um i can't remember if it was me or the other guy my so-called co-defendant took the baby and we detained him and this is where it gets weird uh we've never ever if somebody died we never take the bodies we leave it up to the family and we never body bag them ever and so when we bring in when we bring the fourth guy over with the three i'm standing right next to my squad leader and the lt when i hear over the radio my squad leader reporting hey we have four epws which is enemy prisoners of war and one kia which is killed in action and over the radio i hear why the f do you have detainees you need to hurry up you have a follow-on mission in five minutes and with that being said, you know, the squad leader looked at us and he's like, third squad, rally up. And so we go in the house and he's like, all right, this is what the commander said. Who wants to do it? And nobody volunteered anything. And so my squad leader selected myself and another guy, Huntsaker, to cut the zip ties off of these guys and kill them. Well, my mentality was, look, I was already tired. It was so hot over there. I've been up for a long time. I was like, you know what? Just whatever. And I thought I was also following my rules of engagement which were to kill all military's males. What'd you so, say? You're protecting Americans. 
in your head? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because these guys were confirmed uh, bomb makers and the CIA and special forces went in and got pushed out. So they requested a large element. That's why we were there. So it, it, they already had a, an engagement firefight and were pushed out. So that they were definitely confirmed. All those people were confirmed. It was a terrorist training compound is what we assaulted. And so, you know, with that added in there and following my rules of engagement, I'm like, okay, well, it's not a big deal. And so I cut this, I personally cut the zip ties off and the blindfold and told them to run. And we shot them again. After that, we were cleared three times of an investigation and a fourth investigation happened with CID, which is like the equivalent to the FBI. Okay. Um, so, so Corey, to, to butt in again real quick. So you, you were told to take the zip tie. Cause I know this is the crucial moment that changed everything. Um, you were told to cut the zip ties off and cut their blindfolds off. They ran. And then when you had the order, you pulled the trigger and you, how many, how many was it? I killed, uh, well, I, don't, I, I couldn't even tell you who, how many I killed because they crossed and I had the machine gun. So I was firing faster than the, the other guy who only had an M4. So I don't know. There was three That's of them. Such an American answer. <laughs> I love that. But no, yeah, okay, so, you, you were saying. So, yeah, I, I want to back up just a little bit. Before we had the investigation, when we, we, we were told to bag up the bodies. So we bagged up the bodies. There, mind you, there's no zip ties because I personally cut them off. No zip ties, no blindfolds. We bagged up the bodies, brought it to the Blackhawk, who we were supposed to board up on. And he's like, no, we want we want the bodies, not you guys. And we're like, well, that's, that's odd. So we give them the bodies. They fly them to command. And it's strange because at command, when they unzip the body bag, they were zip tied and blindfolded again. So that's what caused the um, the initial investigation, which, again, we're, I was cleared three times. And then a fourth one happened. And this time... You know, they asked us, who gave us the rules of engagement? And we're like, well, our commander did, Colonel Michael Steele. And they were like, no, he didn't. And at that point, I was like, uh, say what? Uh, and I had a defense attorney who was a lesbian, not, not saying anything's wrong with that, but in a time where the military didn't allow that. So I have a defense attorney who's breaking the military law uh, and representing me. But all of a sudden, I don't hear anything from him, but my first sergeant was running interference. Every time CID kept calling for me and calling for us, he's like, they don't want to talk to you. And he kept hanging up. Well, it got so serious because he was running interference and not letting us know that one day, all of a sudden, a Black Hawk showed up. And they're like, we need these guys. And so we went, and all of a sudden, we showed up. And the guy's like, hey, what happened? I was like, and I looked at my attorney. She's like, he's not talking. And then I was charged with murder. And th the, that phone call to my parents was – uh. Uh, really hard. Um, she just immediately started crying like really, really bad. Uh, I told her my attorney talked to her and said, Hey, I could face the death penalty uh, for, for these executions is the word she used. Um, so we were housed in Tikrit, which is the Dom's hometown for about a month. And then I was transferred to a uh, Navy ran military prison or jail in Kuwait. And that's where things started to uh, take a turn for the worse. I wasn't being fed for a couple of days. Like I wasn't allowed wreck. They weren't, you know, doing laundry. I couldn't make phone calls. A guard uh, wrote a sworn statement that the commander there ordered them to spit my food. And the only reason that came to light is because I found a, a big loogie in my yams and I raised Kane about it. And he wrote a sworn statement and they ended up transferring him back to the States and demoted him. And uh, he still stands by me to this day. And, um, but, yeah, so that, that, that was the start of it. And there was one time I was in this little dog cage 
and the light was on my face 24 seven light was only like two feet away from my face. I couldn't fully stand up in the cage and to get the light out of my face. I tied a knot on the end of the sheet and threw it over my eyes. Well, during sleeping, it went around my neck. Like it just went over the top of it. Well, I woke up to guards sneaking into that cage to try to get me. And I, I was like, what are y'all doing? They're like nothing and walked out unbeknownst to me. They recorded that in my paperwork. So when I finally went to, Fort Leavenworth on September 16th, they put me on suicide watch right away. Uh, I mean, excuse me, uh, Fort Knox. They put me on suicide watch right away in a paper gown. Uh, and I was in uh, disciplinary segregation there too. Um, so, so yeah, it was just, and they wouldn't even let me see my family because I filed an IG complaint. So my family travels 10 hours to see me. They let me see them for 30 minutes. So, so and, Corey, yeah. where's the, where, where's the oversight here? It sounds like, you know, there is there's no. just mismanagement all over the place from your commanding officers to the people who were supposed to be, you know, when we, when we see someone end up in a situation like yours, you would think that if you're imprisoned, even those people are going to be getting some kind of humane interaction, but it sounds like there's none of that there. You know, where, where does the accountability come in in this situation? Well, here's the thing. When you have one person doing wrong and it make it tarnishes the overall uh, perspective of the organization, He's, his, his butt's going to be covered, and then the guy who covered him is going to be covered. So there is no accountability whatsoever um, within the military, especially within the corrections uh, department of the military. Um, you know, they have to abide by some some laws, which is, you know, cruel and unusual punishment because a judge can overturn or reduce your sentence off of that. But when it comes to, like, administrative or little nitpick things like this, like, there's no real way to prove it. And so many people complain about it. It's nothing special, even if it is special. So nobody really cares to hear it. So it just falls on deaf ears to answer your question. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, man, that's just, it, it's horrible to hear something like that. You know, we, we look at our, our from every, I mean, even down all the way to law enforcement, all the way up to those of you who have served in our military in the highest esteem. And so, we would like to hear better than that, but thank you for bringing things like that to light. I, I would have never known until reading your, your story. No. Uh, yeah, it was, it's nothing. I tried within like Fort Leavenworth to change policy up with that because the regulation is called 190-47 of the Provost Marshal General, but I'm just so well versed in that regulation, by the way, I, I knew it very well. Um, so, yeah, all this is happening at Fort Knox, and then they 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 put my crime partner in Charleston Naval Brig. Well, I'm from Charleston, and they did that on purpose. Uh, and there was a jail which would have been 15 minutes away from Fort Campbell, and so they chose to drive me three hours one way, three hours the other. And so when I got to that county jail, I was like, I'm not going back there. I, I'm just not going back. And so they allowed me to stay in county, and that's when everybody in my unit, and for some reason, one by one. They started to say all oh, the rules of engagement were to kill all military males unless actively surrendering, and which, which was total BS. And everybody, one by one, was uh, scared from an administrative punishment because you're not allowed pornography in our, in, when you're in a combat environment. And so they, they were scared of losing rank. They chose to save themselves and sacrifice my life, basically, um, and testified and wrote sworn statements against me. Um, I didn't have a single person on my side. And the first guy turned on me and said, yeah, we did this. And then my squad leader chimes up. Hey, uh, I was just trying to help them cover it up. And so I was backed into a corner and right, right before I went and saw the 
my attorney, I even called a local news network in South Carolina and was like, hey, I feel back into the corner. I got no choice but to plead guilty. And the prosecution tried to use that against me. But uh, my civilian attorney named Paul Bergeron, he was um, indicted by the FBI at one of my um, court proceedings and arrested for helping. What's that? Hello? There's nothing on our end. We didn't say Okay, anything. I thought I heard something. Uh, he was. No, you're good. You were talking about how you were in prison and and the phase of you know the terrible incarceration. Right. Uh, so uh, my attorney was pulled off my case and indicted by the FBI, and he's now serving six consecutive life sentences. By the way, um, so he was pulled off my case. The judge wouldn't allow me to uh, extend my my period of time at all, so I had no choice but to plead guilty, and I was given uh, 18 years. Um, I only had to do six, but when I got to Leavenworth, I immediately went to disciplinary segregation again. It was like a repeat. And um, so I, they, they kept me in there the entire time. And I was getting written up because I'd get 50, 60 pieces of mail a day. And the limit for DSEG is 10. And so they'd give me my mail and let me go through it, pull me out for a cell inspection, and then write me up for excessive mail, prohibited property, and what have you. And this was every single day. Um, so you know, they'd write me up for a miss, uh, mustard packet in my cell for contraband. Um, you know, if, if someone took something as disrespect, if I'm talking to an inmate and a female guard hears it, my conversation, she can take it as disrespect to her and write me up. Like it was, um, it was very uh, repetitive, uh, type of write-ups. And I, I would, it was just, uh, <laughs> it was a, I mean, it sounds clearly intentional now as, as someone who is inside, you know, you, you went through all of this. You clearly learned a lot from it. What would be the steps that could be taken to try to right these wrongs and to keep the next person from ending up in this type of situation? Well, that's the thing. My my parents were spreading the word uh, tremendously on, on right. what was going on, the misjustice to get people not to join. And, you know, I ended up working for an organization where we helped three uh, military service members get presidential pardons. So, um I'm, I'm doing the best I can with that. Um, so, Corey, that's actually what I, we'd love to talk with you about. But to get there, so how did you get from this prison? That you you, talk, you told us last, I know you were at Leavenworth. Uh, and then, so how did you get from Leavenworth to freedom, to, you know, doing these kinds of things that you're doing today and working with that organization? Uh, well, that organization supported me uh, about halfway through the 10-year, um, 10 years I did, uh, and I just one day, you know, I wasn't having any job prospects uh, when I was coming up for parole. Nobody really wanted to commit to hire somebody they've never met. So I just asked him one day on the phone. I was like, are you hiring? He's like, yeah, I am. And so it went from there. I made plans to move directly to Kernersville, North Carolina, um, instead of come back home to Charleston, South Carolina. And everything just hit off from that from that point. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my responsibilities were I was the community and veterans liaison. So my job was brand awareness, get out there and attend speaking events um, and just just spread the word about uh, the injustice that's going on. And I was fairly successful with it. Um, I mean, we got three people pardoned. So. Right. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Congratulations on that, Corey. So now, if uh, if somebody were to Google your name, Corey Claggett, there's a lot that comes up. Um, you've been since you've been out and working with this organization. You've been doing, I mean, TV, news, radio, media. I mean, all kinds of stuff. 
tell us a little bit about some of those opportunities and the stuff that you've been working on since this pardon through this organization. Well, uh, the pardon I'm working on for, for myself right now is with United Services League. Um, they're actually helping me right now. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's hit or miss with the, the media. I mean, you, they seem, some of them seem like they really care and then they turn around and write a completely different story. Um, so I'm just, I'm not very trustful with the uh, media, but you know, I'm, I'll take it anyway. You know. I wouldn't be a power. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, speaking for everybody here on the team, we are fully on your side and, and, you know, and are supportive of you in this. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell everybody uh, on this, um, you know, I, I did this with Corey um, before we did this interview, like I do with anybody where, um, and I learned this from Oprah actually, but where, you know, I will, we talked and Corey and I talked before we do the, before we did this interview actually. And I told Corey, I, I told Corey our intentions or my intentions of doing this, which is to find as many interesting people and stories and share them for the greater good. Cause I think they're interesting and people should hear them. Um, and then, you know, Corey told me his objective and then we wanted to see how we could help each other do that. So I thought he had an interesting story. Um, and you know, your, your objective with this, I think is, is, is pure. We, we only, you know, certainly want to help you with that and hope that uh, as many people as possible get the, get the opportunity and privilege to hear this interview. So. Well, I, I appreciate that. Will. I mean, um, any publicity is good publicity. So, uh, yeah, it's just, we need people to sign petitions with United services league to send to now president Biden and hopes that he will give me a pardon because all I care about is my honor being restored. I don't care about anything else. Um, just my honor being restored is what I care about. So I hear that. Yeah. Now I, I know we're on a time crunch. I don't want to go too much longer, but Corey, you were telling me when we, uh, we spoke in the past that you had just had the opportunity to go yep. testify in front of Congress in Washington, DC recently uh, for the sake of your cause. I mean, that's a, uh, whether it's a few congressmen or one congressman or the whole Congress or whatever, I mean, that's a huge deal. I, I, I think it's worth noting, which is why I wanted to ask you about it here with everybody. Oh yeah. I was, um, I believe it was April of 2018. I'm not too sure about the, the date, but yeah, there was, um, there was I believe eight congressmen and I believe aides from other congressmen's office to sit there and record notes and what we were, what we and myself were talking about. Uh, it, it was um, it was an event. Let me tell you. Uh, all I can say is just don't drive a uh, a truck with packed full of congressmen in the streets of D.C. because it was um, very uh, harrowing and and exciting. But you know, I will say this: one of the congressmen from Tennessee was like, I I went through the easy pass without having a pass on the toll, and he's like, Yeah, hey, if we get pulled over, just tell them you're with congressmen. So that was a uh, that was pretty cool. Just that, that easy, easy, man. Just that easy. <laughs> so, 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 go ahead, Aaron. So, uh, yeah, Corey, uh, you know, like like Will was saying, our, our time's winding down, but I do want to make sure that we're able to extend our platform as far as we can mm -hmm. to you. So, you know, with uh, everything that you're doing, where can people find out more and find out how they can help you? Um, I believe uh, they can go to unitedservicesleague.com, and it's a 501c3 which means it's tax deductible um, nonprofit. So they can go there and they can find out all the information they need to that's up to date in regards to uh, myself seeking a pardon. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you mm -hmm. so much for that. Great.
We appreciate that, Corey. I'm going to bring Luke back in real quick. I know he had a question for you as well, Corey. Yeah, I was thinking earlier, aren't you uh, about to have a movie made? Oh, I cannot talk about that. Uh-huh. Ah, that means there's a deal signed and in the works if you can't talk about it. No, all I right. They always mean something. Yes. Right. All right. We will respect your privacy and we'll we'll ask everybody else to do the same. But uh, that tells us enough. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Well, this has been awesome. The, uh, one thing I do want to add before we go, just so everybody can hear. Um, Guys, uh, if, if you are just now listening to this for the first episode or if you've been following Aaron or Luke or myself for any amount of time um, and have been familiar with this series, um, we have been so excited about Corey and what he's doing that we've actually signed a, uh, a deal ourselves that we also can't talk about the details of um, for him to come in partnership with us. So he will be on uh, with us for several episodes this season talking about what he's doing and more of his work. And so... We intentionally capped this at, uh, at half an hour today because we didn't want to spoil everything. But certainly stay tuned um, to hear about um, – I don't know. I, I almost don't want to finish that thought. I want to let you finish it for me and kind of what you uh, what we're excited about with you in the future. Yeah, us. so, um, you know, just I'm, – I'm looking forward to uh, spreading the information out there. And, you know, I get to work with my friend Will, um, who I haven't seen in a long time. So I got to get up there to North Carolina. You do need to come yes. up here. We, so yeah, we're, we 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 need to talk about that. We'll talk about it next episode. We'll okay. get some dates. So, um, we we appreciate it, Corey. Do you have anything else for us before we go, or anything else that you'd like for the world? To uh, you know, at first I'd like to thank y'all for having me on there. And again, you know, just if if everybody that has listened, you know, talk to a family member or a neighbor and get them to go to UnitedServicesLeague.com and sign a digital i believe they have a digital petition or ask for a paper petition and mail that back they'd be greatly appreciated awesome awesome that's united yes it is league all right well i mean our listeners they've heard that i'm sure that they will be typing away getting on to that petition we want to see as many signatures as we can on that just so that we can help out Corey and all of those people who may have or are going through that same thing. You know, one injustice is too many. So we want to make sure that we can do all that we can to help well, those. In thank need. you for that. Hey, yeah, actually, I want to make a correction. It's Uniform Services League. Excuse me. Uniform yes. Services League. <laughs> all right. Correction noted. It's on the books. We got that Uniform Services That's League. That's it. All right, Corey, we appreciate it, man. Um, we're excited about um, everything that we're going to be doing together in our next episodes. Um, we're going to wrap this up here for a close. Um, but uh, tell us, uh, you're on social media. Yes, I am. Right? I'm on Facebook. That's it. If people want to add you, what, what, where, where do they go to add you or what's your username or what? Can you give uh, that It's real Corey quick? Claggett um, on Facebook, and I'm the guy that's wearing a, um, a hat. So my other profile, I, lost, I was locked out. We love hats. All right, that helps us. You heard it from there, Corey Claggett on Facebook. Um, or you can check any of us out on Facebook, Luke Smith, Aaron Alexander, me, Will Marsh, um, or on Instagram at will.marsh1, tw- Twitter at Will's World Audio, or on YouTube at Will's World Audio. Thanks, and we'll see you guys. <laughs>